Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. How are you today, my majestic friend, magical being, beautiful soul? It is such a privilege and an honor to be with you again. Thank you for allowing me your time and attention, and it will not be wasted on this incredible episode with Dr. Randy Wysong. In this one, we go deep. Randy is extremely brilliant. We talk about, uh, I entitled this one, Beyond Creation Versus Evolution and Finding Truth Through Natural Law. Uh, We get into it. This is a, I broke it up into two parts. Uh, Randy's book's incredible. What he talks about, incredible. Um, Okay, so the uh, the list of what we talk about is massive. We talk about Randy's history in science, medicine, religion, and spirituality, um, how to find truth. And he has a way to do that and be like very clear. It makes perfect sense. We get into exploring natural laws, the law of thermodynamics, the law of information, the laws of time. We start, we explore free will, um, questioning religion in the Council of Nicaea, so the origins of the Bible. So if you're religious, like um, this is just information, not to kind of you know say right and wrong, just exploring that. Um, the free will, proving uh, we are the other. Study on blood cells. Uh, study on the flower of consciousness. Uh, or I'm not uh, studying on flower and the uh, consciousness, uh, the pursuit of truth, death, uh, near death experiences, uh, out of body. And so that it's in two parts. There's so much stuff. You're going to love this episode. Um, so yeah, if you like this podcast, please share it. This is a celebration episode. Thank you guys so much. I hit a million downloads. I am super stoked. Uh, that's a huge um, achievement for one of the things that I set out in goals and I was writing down the goals for the podcast and I thought, you know, re- reaching a million downloads, that was going to be something. So thank you everybody for listening. I so appreciate you. And at the exact same time, um, the podcast got to number one in iTunes for religion and spirituality because of you guys, because of those of you taking a moment to leave a review for sharing, for talking about it. So thank you so much to each and every one of you who have ever listened to an episode and thank you even more if you talk about it and even more if you shared an episode and even more if you um, left a review in itunes Um, they really do help with the ranking so thanks so much this one was left by my homie our new homie somebody wrote out and was just like hey man i love the podcast um and they had they took a moment to uh leave a review for me so uh, the title's greatest podcast in the world which is epic uh from tyler harmony thanks man um it says let me first off by saying matt is one of the most genuine humans walking this crazy earth we are all so fortunate to have a source of knowledge as honorable and as valuable as matt belair uh podcast in today's in today's day and age, geez, if I could read, I got sun glaring on this. Um, I have been religiously listening to these podcasts for the past few years and never once been bored with the experience. It's amazing how many beautiful people are walking around right next to us that have such a wealth of knowledge and insight in this multidimensional experience of life. 
Let's all take the pledge to do more for each other and awaken a movement of thoughtful, empathetic action in this world of hardship. Thank you, Matt, for your spectacular contribution to the human race and always lending timeless kernels of knowledge to help your fellow brothers and sisters love and light so thank you so much for uh, leaving that review and uh, if you guys want to support the podcast you know anything helps with reviews because uh, it inspires people to listen to this over the other incredible podcasts that are out there so you don't have to just listen to this one listen to many um if you want to support me on patreon that helps and goes a long way um i want to thank you so much avery davis i hope that i pronounced it right last time and debbie uh debbie peterson uh you guys hooked it up and i appreciate that if you want to go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair it supports the show it supports me directly uh to create this content and uh you know when i get a little bit more wealth and resources i am going to just do this more and do this better and do all these other things i want to do i want to do these video courses i want to write a few more books oh man there's so much stuff i want to do um but you know it's all in good time and i'm going through and and learning and and experiencing this so i'm grateful for everything that i have and i can't wait to do more and do it more efficiently i like to move fast if you can tell because i'm talking fast um but the best and number one thing you can do if you want to support this podcast is one act of kindness today if not take the kindness challenge um which is basically do three acts of kindness a day for a week go out of your way to do it and don't tell anybody um you can say you're taking the challenge and you can give an example of an act of kindness if you want um, but the idea is you don't go around and brag about it and be like oh i did this i did that that kind of ruins it um so just do three acts of kindness a day um go hashtag kindness challenge let me know on facebook or instagram um tag three friends you think would want to take the challenge um And this is the best thing that I've ever seen um, for creating a Kundalini experience. I know that happened to somebody uh, I know and they told me about this wild experience um, because it creates an energetic charge in the body. And uh, my mentor and teacher, David Lombear Senapas, Native American elder, says three acts of kindness a day and not telling anybody it's a mathematical formula. Um, He is a scientist. He's an engineer, uh, electrical engineer. And so apparently when you do the action, which makes perfect sense, it creates an electrical charge that can then turn on your dna um do all this other stuff um so do the three acts of kindness even if you want to do it in a selfish manner um, and you just want to turn on your pineal gland i don't care it still works um but even just generally being a good human per, uh human being is even better so um if you guys want some coaching go forward slash matt belair uh forward slash coaching uh sign up for zen athlete sign up for the email list if you want to check that out if you go forward slash lucid dreaming um you're gonna get a free lucid dreaming audio and ebook um support david lone bear a past Native American elder. Uh, go to Lone Bear's Arts. He's truly amazing. Trying to help him uh, get the word out for his teachings and some of his technologies. We definitely could use some support there. Um, graphic people, web people, video people, um, benevolent investors, engineers to try to take a look at what is what he's doing and what he's putting out there. It's pretty spectacular. Um, so I kind of want to wrap it up like with that because I know there's a lot of stuff going on there. But I just want to thank you guys, everyone who supported the show, shared, listened, um, took in time out of your day. I have so much love and gratitude for you i hope that you are well um, and appreciate you from the bottom of my heart love you so much thank you so before we get into this let's come into a state of peace coherence and powerful uh, self-love and uh, gratitude so wherever you are in the world stop whatever you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose holding that breath and just imagining this life force this universal force god force spiritual force whatever you connect to just pulsing through the breath universal life force energy holding that in and just let that breath out slowly with all the cares all the worries and all the anxieties and depressions that the mind give you 
Now taking another deep breath in through your nose. And as you do this, hold that breath and just make the firm commitment and resolve to be as kind and compassionate to yourself as possible right now for the rest of your life. And as you do that, think of a one thing you're grateful for. Think about maybe a friend, a family member, having eyesight, having transportation, food. One thing you're really grateful for. And just let that breath out slowly, relaxing even deeper. Now take it one more deep breath in through your nose. Now magnify this feeling of kindness, of gratitude, of love and appreciation. I want you to send that love and appreciation and kindness to your friends, to your families, to your coworkers, to your cities, to your country, seeing it go all over the planet. I'm sending you all of my love, support, kindness, encouragement, inspiration, gratitude, um, encouragement, just everything I am so that you have a can remember that you are amazing, whole, perfect, balanced, harmonious, just as you are. And uh, all the support in the world you're taking care of. You are connected. You are a part of a global family. You are never alone. Um, thank you so much for listening. I think we're ready. Go out there and do one kind act today. Hold the door open. Uh, get somebody's name. That counts. Pick up a piece of trash. Just go be awesome. And let's get into this amazing part one with Dr. Randy Wysong. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mastermind body and spirit show i'm your host matt belair today's guest has practiced veterinary surgery and medicine taught college courses in human anatomy physiology and the origin of life he's the author of nine books numerous scientific articles and decades of health newsletters he has invented hundreds of surgical clinical nutritional and fitness related products and developed health first food science, and processing technology facilities. His personal interests include self-improvement, defying age, personal fitness, competitive badminton, two-on-two beach volleyball, and pickleball. He has built his own unique homes and is in the ongoing process of transitioning to do-it-yourself self-sufficiency. Seven children and 14 grandchildren enrich his life with love. Welcome to the show, Dr. Randy Wysong. Well, thank you, man. I'm glad you invited me. Uh, it, is, it is a privilege to have you here. I was sent your book, so I'm really excited about this. Um, as I began to read through the chapters and how long you've been you know, studying anatomy, medicine, uh, human development, physiology, the origin of life, it just it keeps going on and on, and it's really fascinating and you have an in-depth knowledge um, of really deep topics and you've been doing it for a long time so I'm really excited to have you on the show and dive into this because as you scroll the the chapters of your book uh, solving the big question as if thinking matters each chapter is so has such a fascinating um, title like the laws of thermodynamics, the law of probability. Um, then you go into the fingerprint of mind, where we talk about free will, um, religion, the real reality, matter as an illusion. Like it just, it's on and on, and it's amazing. So I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to um, just ask you to to give us a little background on who you are, um, how the book came about, and um, you know, we'll we'll dive in from there. Okay. Well, uh, you. Given some of my background, I guess the uh, the background that would be relevant to the things we're going to talk about today would be uh, I was raised as a obedient Catholic, and uh, then when I, I, I went off to college, I 
became what I thought was enlightened and became uh, an evolutionist, a kind of transition from there into an atheist. Um, then I, I found that the uh, uh, main reason, I guess, that I transitioned to that is that uh, I w found that when I went, went to the priest with some little private sessions talking to him about what his response was to the things I was learning in college, he really didn't have good answers. And so anyway, then I, uh, as I continued in my uh, college studies in chemistry and biology and, and then into uh, veterinary medicine and all of the disciplines that are in that, I still remained, uh, even though I considered myself an agnostic or an atheist, I was still troubled by, by what I saw in terms of just the complexity of the world of nature and uh, as you take classes in histology and cytology and pathology and anatomy and physiology and you learn all of these intricate details of the body it's very hard to reconcile that with just uh, atoms exploding out of a big bang uh, accounting for that so I I had the sense that there was something more and uh, then I then I thought, well, maybe that more uh, is in in some other religion because I, I I just assumed that religion somewhere somehow held held the answers, and uh, so I started exploring uh, the Bible and then Bible-based religions, and that's really not something you get as a Catholic. It's more uh, doctrinal catechisms and so forth, and uh, and then I I became uh, convinced for a time that that the bible was uh, was the answer that 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 was the place that we could go for for truth and for an explanation for how we got here and where we're going and so forth but when i associated with uh, uh, a bible bible based uh, religion for a time this is i'm only talking just a couple three years but I got very deeply involved and really studied hard and uh, I found that once I uh, even though the the religion claimed to be the truth and, and you know the final answer I found that when I discovered anything that was contrary to what their official dogma was they uh, they would not tolerate that and then and that uh, continued on. Uh, my, but my, my main goal during this whole process was the truth. I wasn't interested in just following somebody. And, and so I, I just kept that in the back of my mind. If I was pursuing truth, then if there were a God, then I, I certainly couldn't be faulted for that. So as I continued on that way, and I found more and more inconsistencies in the Bible and, and uh, differences between uh, what different religions said, and and the the fact that the the uh, elders in in the church organization really did not want to tolerate anything. I and mean, when you come to think about it, the only way any religion, any particular religion, can hold together is if they are intolerant. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the only way a, a, a set of doctrines can hold. They can't allow. Uh, disagreement or otherwise the you know the religion would, would crumble but over time i i, I found out that uh, that that you know religion really 
ended up uh, not not having the answers. And as I thought further on it, I, be, I came to realize that religion, all religion, is man-made. Um, you know, some creator didn't uh, sit down and write write the holy books. You know, and uh, there are so many things within religions that are traceable to humans in terms of the way that uh, uh, humans behave and so forth. And I uh, just just kind of fell away from religion, but I, I held this this thought in the back of my mind that there's got to be some kind of uh, creative intelligence or something out there that explains this complexity that I see. And at the same time that this is going on, I'm, I'm getting uh, pretty deeply involved into medicine. Then I found out that as I be, was practicing uh, veterinary medicine for a time, that um, that, that, that whole paradigm in itself fails because it's, it's about treating symptoms. It's really not about addressing causes. It's not about uh, uh, prevention. It's, it's just a, a standard of care that you're kind of obliged to follow. And it becomes kind of frustrating if you're practicing medicine for any length of time to see that most of what you do really is not doing a whole lot and that probably 90, 95% of all patients that uh, come to you uh, would do just as well if they never came to you, if they just went home and, and uh, you know, ate right or fed their pet right and, and uh, the, the, these, most of these conditions are self-resolving. And so that was another thing that I discovered that just really was not true, is the, the whole allopathic medical para paradigm, the, the treating of symptoms rather than addressing causes. That was another, another truth that I was finding that just, just didn't hold up. And then I, I transitioned from medicine into an interest in nutrition because uh, as I explored that, and I was, you know, I was exploring this in the, let's see, I'm going way back in time here. It would be uh, uh, in the, uh, like the mid-70s. And at that time, uh, nutrition was just, by medicine anyway, was just, kind of considered uh, like a branch of homemaking. <laughs> and uh, if you were to suggest that a vitamin or a mineral uh, or, you know, really did anything in relation to disease, it was considered almost quackery. And as I explored that more, I, I came to realize that that was another uh, so-called truth that wasn't true, that uh, there is a tremendous amount of evidence indicating that what we eat has a whole lot to do with with our health, and so uh, that was another another thing that kind of fell by the wayside, and so I ended up uh, because I couldn't really find uh, you know supplements and and foods and so forth that fit what I was discovering would contribute to health. I developed my own company where we developed uh, uh, hundreds of different. Uh, animal and human nutritional products and the company still exists today uh, under the name of Wysong and it uh, uh, 
was kind of my way of, of getting around what was mainstream was just to go out and, and do it myself and do what I felt was, would be the, the right thing to do. A lot of the things that you see right now in the nutritional arena, like uh, probiotics and enzymes and whole food uh, ingredients, uh, the benefits of raw foods, um, uh, those those are things that that we were, if not the first, among the first uh, introducing those. Then over time, I uh, uh, well, no, I guess during all of this time, I was still, you know, in the quandary about what what is this, you know, what is you know, what is the meaning of life? Where did we come from? You know, why are we here? Where are we going? And I must say that, uh, go backing up a little bit, at the time that I, I came out of um, this evolutionary atheism sort of mindset, and I was studying a lot of, uh, of the sciences in relation to that question, I became very convinced that evolution was totally false. So there was another so-called truth that was being echoed in the halls of academia and, and all over the science journals and so forth. But there's, uh, you know, as I discovered, there was just no, no, no truth to that either. Then as I was in, into the business uh, aspect of what I was doing with nutrition and, and the company and so forth, um, you know, I just, you, you know, I just would see out in the marketplace so much, uh, misleading fraud, you know, different things that are being said and so forth to try to convince people to simply buy products. So there was fraud all over there. And then if you're in business, you can't help but uh, touch base with different legal situations. And you soon find out that if you um, try to adjudicate things uh, in the legal system, that that justice is really likely not going to be be there. It's more of a crapshoot than anything else. You don't know if the judge who is a lawyer or your lawyer or the lawyer on the other side is just some, has some kind of uh, agenda and that overtakes uh, justice. And then you can see that, I think we see that all, uh, and I'm sure your listeners, and I know you do too, as you look around in politics and, and everywhere, you just find all kinds of uh, ideas and so forth that just plain do not make sense. Well, all of this led to an ex uh, extreme skepticism about everything. And I, but I was still troubled by this idea of, of, of where did I come from? What, what would be this, this, this source that this creative source that could, could uh, be responsible for our reality and, in 1974 or 75, I assembled a, a book on that called The uh, Creation Evolution Controversy. And as far as I know, it was the first book to, to address that question without a religious uh, agenda. Usually when you talk about uh, evolution or creation, the, on the creation side, you always have someone who has... Uh, in their hip pocket, they're a, a religious agenda. They're, they're thinking that even though they're talking science and a lot of the science that they can talk is very good and valid, their ultimate objective is to, to somehow justify uh, the Bible. 
So uh, what I ended up with is, uh, in terms of how to, to find the truth, is I felt that, uh, that we have reason, we have uh, evidence that, that we can, each of us could, can see, you know, facts and evidence. Um, we have our conscience. And we have personal experience. Well, some people can put down experience, but for the person having the experience, there's really no argument that can defeat personal experience. And then uh, last but not least for sure is natural law. So those, those are the criteria that we can use to, to actually arrive at an objective truth. And I know to some people, they say, well, how, how can you claim to have the truth or to know what the truth is? And, and uh, I like to say to them, well, is it, uh, are you, are you, uh, do you believe that it's absolutely true that there's no absolute truth? And uh, so they're, they're caught in an oxymoron there. So I, I, I think we have to recognize that uh, there is a truth related to the reality that is before us, you know, our day-to-day -day reality, the things that we see out there, the evidence the reason that we can marshal in our own minds. There's natural laws. We know that apples fall to the ground. They don't jump off into outer space. We know that two plus two always equals four. Uh, we have our conscience that acts as an ethical and moral guide. And then, then we have our personal experiences that we can rely on. Those are all things that access for us um, personal truth. So... Uh, not personal truth, I would say uh, actually absolute truth. In terms, when I say absolute truth, I'm talking about this reality that we face. This is not to say that there are not realities beyond these uh, four dimensions that we're locked into because of our physicality. So um, that's, that's kind of a, a background. And then in terms of, of the book, uh, uh, what the the objective of the book was to show how that those criteria for determining truth reason evidence natural laws conscience and experience how any person on the street can just use those things and and answer uh, the the big questions you know where did we come from why are we here where are we going and I would have to say that, uh, well, let me, let me stop for a second, uh, take a breath, and just, is there anything in that, Matt, that, uh, that you would want me to just uh, elaborate on a little bit more that was not really comprehensible? <laughs> No, man, that was, a, that was a really great start. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting over here just fully ready to, to listen and absorb because, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed is, you know, your work and exploration started uh, maybe before 1973. So was that like, that's yeah, a long, would have been in the, 40, 50 uh, years of time, like at least. Yeah, right. And so, you know, you talked about, you know, a two or three year window exploring religion. Um, who knows how long your other windows w were. And that's kind of where I am at, at my process is it takes a while to really dive deep and then you can get to the bottom. And then when you're at the bottom, you can kind of make your own conclusion. Um, so, um, 
yeah, just really amazing depth of knowledge so far and just continue that. I have a million different questions, but I'll let you kind of continue on. And right. you just feel free to interrupt me because I don't want to just uh, ramble. No, no, you're, ra- you're rambling. Great. This is, okay. this is good. So if, if, as you, as you continue to ramble and, and just share like what you discovered and, and what you think is important, you know, I'll kind of weave in things here and there because no matter what you touch on, I think is going to be really important. Like okay. I said, you kind of, cover everything like conscious i'm just curious like one of the things i'll just throw out there is you know like where have you come with the origin of consciousness you know where have you come with your own decisions and how to discern reality you know what reality is this is all covered in your book you know matter as an illusion why there is suffering that's one of the ones that i um am curious about because i think that's important you know it's one of the buddhist um truths that life is suffering and alan watts will say more accurately life is frustrating which is true (laughs) so um yeah i'll just let you continue and i'll kind of throw things here and there but it's all it's all awesome well it was more than i would say it was more than three years religion man like i said i was raised in religion so that was all all the way up till i was like 19 or 20 years old but then, you know, when I fell away and then I decided to come back in and explore you know, Bible religion, that, that was like a two or three year stint. I mean, it's something that I've studied ever since, but it's, uh, I was not um, just a, uh, uh, I mean, it was a two or three year stint where I was, I was attempting to, to be just a dutiful uh little parishioner if you will and then until i i started thinking for myself so i let me just you know one of the things that one of the main themes of of a reason i wrote the book is that i uh, and i hate to in these podcasts i hate to, to when i mention a book i don't want people to think that i'm trying to sell a book just just for your for your listeners um information if they if if they want access to this book it's it's going to be free in a series of uh, podcasts that i'm producing it'll be free on youtube and i've uh if they want to buy the book which it which i think would be helpful to them because there's like uh, two or three hundred graphics and cartoons and so forth that uh, you can almost read the book by just going through the the graphics and just reading the captions and I don't, I don't want people to do that, but, um, but that's another way. And, and, uh, we price the book very inexpensively if people want to go that route. But I, so if I mention the book, I don't want people to think that I'm just trying to push it. I just want, uh, perhaps people to, uh, understand, you know, why I, I spent almost 15 years, uh, developing that book. Um, yeah, and, and I just I wanted to jump in and just support that in saying that when I was given um, the, the copy of the book or, or made aware of it, the first thing that's up there is 45 chapters, 271 pictures, cartoons, and graphics, and uh, nine re- years of research and development. And so, you know, that's just an incredible piece of work, and that's just a way to share it. So feel free to, you know, plug the book as the resource. It's your text manual. There's just all it is is information. Um, for people to look at. So I have a copy and it's really a, a special book and it, and it explores a lot of co- a lot of concepts that we're thinking about, right? Like you, you have it on there, like exploring and solving the deep questions. And this is your, 
research over a long time from a you know, very incredible mind and a credible source. So I just wanted to say, you know, feel free to share about the book as a manual. Um, and you've got full support over here because I'm given a lot of books and I do a lot of research and I think that it's a, an amazing piece of work. Okay. Well, thank you. Now I, I just, uh, uh, one of the, one of the things that was just kind of a, uh, an epiphany for me as I was going through this, how, how on earth can I find truth? You know, I can't find it in religion because religions are just man-made organizations like our legal system is and like, the medical system is and like uh, sciences, you know, everywhere you look, there's vested interests and people are trying to protect their positions and so forth. It's hard to pull truth out of all those things. So how can the, you know, how can an average person, you know, find truth? You know, I mean, if you go to uh, the internet, I mean, it's just overwhelming the amount of information, no matter what you try to to discover, you're going to find contrary views. There's always an expert on the other side. And so I, I just sort of speak threw up my hands and I said, Oh, I'm just going to settle on reason, evidence, natural law, conscience, and experience. If I can't find truth by those means, then I guess I'm just not going to be able to find it. But I believe that I have been able to find it through those means. And I think one of the, uh, the, the things that stand in the way uh, of people getting to kind of the point where I, I discern that you are, Matt, in a more spiritual, self-aware, uh, non-material sort of approach to, to, uh, to life and so forth is uh, standing in the way of that are, is really this concept of evolution and materialism. I mean, I think uh, people hear stories about near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences or astral projection or uh, UFOs or anything that's out of, you know, the standard mainstream scientific uh, venue. They, they think, well, that can't be true because, uh, you know, evolution is true. I mean, you can, you know, everywhere I read, you know, scientists believe that evolution is true, you know, so... I mean, either people are either believing that or they believe in religion. And religion has um, doctrines and prohibitions that would preclude people from really believing things like, in some cases, life after death or, or <clears throat> the idea that you're uh, responsible for your own salvation. Th those sorts of things are the antithesis of what uh, many religions propagate. So if, if I if, just bear with me, and I know you're may as you look at the book, you you might see like some chemistry drawings and so forth. But I believe that anybody with a high school education can read that book and get through it. I wrote it with that specifically in mind, uh, yet uh, I, making it uh, sound enough and deep enough so that a, a PhD would read it and, and understand that what I'm saying has has validity. But let me just talk about about evolution and how you can how a person can absolutely disprove it, and it's just amazing to me when you think about it that this is like a universal belief, and it's the thing that uh, solidifies the materialistic view. And so the materialist he takes comfort in the notion that scientists believe or have think that they have proven that evolution is true. 
And so evolutionists are materialists, materialists are evolutionists, and then that easily transitions to atheism and agnosticism. And so that whole batch of that whole mindset there is the thing that really stands as an impediment for many people going beyond and really finding out what the real truth is. So let me just quickly here just uh, talk about some of the, the proofs, the things that, that, that we know uh, are true and how they contradict uh, uh, evolution. For, for example, uh, and I mentioned that one of the criteria would be to use natural laws, you know, the laws like uh, the laws of inertia and physics and chemistry and mathematics. Those are things that we know are true. They're predictable. They're the things that are responsible for building skyscrapers and the skyscraper not falling down, for keeping jet airplanes in the air and for this medium that we're using right now and talking. But uh, so we have these natural laws, but uh, if you'll notice, no one ever talks about, now where did those natural laws come from? You never, you never hear even a speculation about how a natural law could evolve. And so uh, that aside, uh, let me talk about some of these natural laws. Uh, one of the naturals, one of the uh, natural laws is the, uh, is the, are the laws of thermodynamics. Uh, the second law of thermodynamics basically says that over time, ordered systems will become disordered. Now, that's called the second law of thermodynamics, which sounds, sounds very heady, but the, the basic meaning of that, that things get messy, is very simple, something that anyone can understand. I mean, it's why if you don't keep your, your house neat and clean, it gets messy. You know, it's why if you just let a car sit out uh, in the yard long enough, it's just going to rust and fall apart. I mean, things do not go the opposite way. And yet evolution is exactly the opposite of what the second law of thermodynamics is. Evolution states that starting with the Big Bang, just random atoms dispersing through space, these atoms coalesced into stars and suns and planets. And then on this particular planet and perhaps on others, those atoms aggregated into things like uh, amino acids and proteins and DNA and then cells and then multicellular organisms and then ultimately becoming us. And yet that's exactly the opposite of an absolute fixed law in science, the second law of thermodynamics. Those things cannot happen without the input of some ordering influence and so the second law contradicts the, the, uh, the notion of evolution. There's uh, uh, the law of biogenesis. The law of biogenesis simply says that life only comes from pre-existing life. That has never been disproven. And yet evolution demands that, that out of no life, just random atoms in the broiling muck of the primordial earth popped out cells and then organisms and so forth. So that's another contradiction to a natural law. And then there's uh, the laws of information. The laws of information 
state that if you're going to have information, it requires an information giver. And that information giver must have at least the intellectual capacity of the information. And further, if that information exists, that given time, and also according to the second law of thermodynamics, that information, if acted upon by any kind of random process, will degrade. It does not improve. So that's another contradiction to this notion of evolution, which simple, evolving into more and more complex things. Then there's the, the laws of probability, and I like to call it, uh, uh, in fact, I'm going to change the chapter. I've got, in that, I've got a chapter in there called the, uh, the laws of probability. I'm going to call it the law of impossibility. Basically, the odds uh, of, of life coming into existence are so incredibly uh, negative <laughs> that it's, it's, uh, it's just overwhelming. You know, for example, if it would t before, before you could form life, you would have to form amino acids and you'd have to form nucleic acids, because nucleic acids are the molecules that are re responsible for reproduction. But in order for nucleic acids to form, you need amino acids, which form into proteins and enzymes, and it, uh, the nucleic acids really cannot reproduce without the enzymes. So one, one requires the other. The, the enzymes cannot exist without a nucleic ac uh, acid coding for them and and uh, and then uh, nucleic acid uh, cannot really form itself in, unless it has an enzyme present so you kind of got a, a circle there of impossibility but in my first book uh, I, I calculated the the and I'm not the only one who's calculated this several have since then and they come up with the same kinds of figures what what are the odds if you've got carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, sulfur, uh, uh, and so forth in the primordial earth. What are the odds of those atoms coalescing to form uh, amino acids and those amino acids uh, joining to form uh, meaningful proteins? And what are the odds of the components of, of uh, nucleic acid, the uh, the uh, the, there are bases, they're called nitrogenous bases in nucleic acids. And when I say nucleic acid, I'm talking about DNA and RNA. There's nucleic acids and there's a phosphate and there's ribose sugars. What are the odds of those things just coming together, just forming in an earth, you know, given, you know, whatever the conditions were and given vast amounts of time. And uh, I calculated that to be one chance in one followed by 168,000 zeros. So, and I, like I say, I'm not the only one who's, tried, who's made that calculation. They all came, come up with equally implausible numbers. And then what are the odds of, say, going beyond that and spontaneously forming like the first living thing that's self-replicating, self-sustaining, and so forth? And the odds of that which that's a calculation I have not made, but uh, Carl Sagan attempted to make it, and he says the odds of that are one chance followed by two billion zeros. And others have, have calculated, like Morowitz calculated the odds of that being one chance 
in 160, no, excuse me, uh, uh, 380,000 zeros. Now, when I give you numbers like that, I say one chance in one followed by two billion zeros. That see, that's, seems very remote, correct? <laughs> Are you with me, Matt? Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm just listening I, to having me. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a right. so, Yeah, keep going. So, so now people have tried to have, or let me just, let me put these numbers in perspective. There's 10, uh, there's one followed by 80 zeros atoms in the entire universe. To give you perspective on these numbers, when I talked about, uh, you know, the chance of just uh, a nucleic acid and proteins forming as being one chance and one followed by 160,000 zeros, the number of atoms in the universe is one followed by 80 zeros. The number of seconds since the universe began, if you, if you uh, uh, assume the 17 billion year age, is one followed by just 17 zeros. So I'm just trying to give perspective here. When you start talking about one followed by zeros, how immense these numbers are and how immense these improbabilities are. In fact, there's, it's believed that there's only been uh, one chance in one followed by 150 zeros bits of information since the universe began. Now, uh, people have calculated what they what they what they call the uh, 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 the probability limit, and that chance that is one chance in one followed by at, at the most uh, at the largest number would be one chance in one followed by 150 zeros. They're saying if any if the odds of anything is beyond one chance in one followed by 150 zeros, it just wouldn't happen. It can't happen, it's impossible. And so all the previous numbers I gave you, all the odds are way, way, way beyond the one chance in one followed by 150 zeros. So the point is, is that life spontaneously emerging is impossible, and we can say that with certainty. And then there's laws in chemistry. Um, like for example, uh, evolutionists say that uh, life emerged, uh, didn't emerge until the earth, which they believe is 4.7 billion years old, until the earth cooled uh, enough to have water on it because water would be necessary for life to emerge. And uh, they believe that that happened at 3.8 billion years ago. So it took, yeah, you know, the difference between 3.8 and 4.7 billion years for the earth to cool enough for water to form. But the problem there is, is that all of the chemists, all, all of the chemicals that are basic to life, amino acids, lipids, which are various kinds of fats, carbohydrates, uh, nucleic acids, sugars, all of those things are mostly what are known as condensation reactions. The, the basic ingredients that come together to form, say like an amino acid, when they, when they form, they produce, as a matter of the reaction, they produce water. Well, if there's a lot of water, if they're trying to do that where a lot of water is present, the water forces the reaction back to the left, back to the starting materials. So 
water, this, this watery environment that evolutionists say was, you know, our early beginnings. And of course that's uh, kind of, uh, reason back from the fact that we're, our bodies are like 70% water, so therefore we came from water. That's the kind of reasoning that goes on there. But uh, So just this one little law of chemistry, the, the law of mass action, which states that, that uh, with regard to water, that if there's more water on the, on the end products of a reaction than there are on the starting side, then the reaction is going to, going to go to the left to the beginning, to the start, starting materials, not to the right. Another real interesting thing in, in chemistry is that the uh, amino acids that are formed randomly are, can be in e two, either of two mirror, mirror images. They can be a mirror images of each other. They're called the D and the L form. But yet life only uh, uses the L form of the amino acids. Whereas in any, if a chemist tries to make amino acids in the laboratory and he tries to put together the components and he uh, uses all the right conditions and reagents and so forth, he always gets basically a 50-50 mixture of L forms and D forms, but yet life only has the L forms. Now, I'm, you know, I, I fear I'm maybe, I might be losing some people with this chemistry stuff. I know if I start talking this stuff to my wife, her eyes kind of glaze over and so uh, I, I won't continue with that, but I, I go through all of these various laws um, that show that uh, evolution simply could not happen. And when you talk about uh, uh, particularly like the law of, of information, and, and it concludes that if you have highly ordered systems, uh, things that do contain information requires an infor information giver. And so that, uh, the fact that you're defeating evolution kind of leaves in place the notion that there is some other element, some other kind of agency that's responsible for our reality. And I, th I think about, uh, uh, I think about how that uh, archaeologists and paleontologists go out and they, they search uh, through the ground and look at various artifacts and so forth, and they'll find like a chipped uh, stone, and they're able to discern that that chip stone is not a, a natural thing. That's a that's a, a man-made thing. That's a an artifact, something that required intelligence intelligence to make it. And yet, something as simple as that would indicate intelligence as its originator. And yet, the simplest of any living organism is like a billion times more complicated than that stone, and yet people and scientists can't conclude that life is responsible of some kind of intelligent intervention. Let me, let me take a break on that right now and just see if you have any thoughts or comments or questions. Yeah, well, it's, it's all extremely fascinating, and I'm really happy that you started there because you know even in your book it talks about the origins. And so for me, as I'm listening, you're going in depth on, you know, like you said, the institutions and what's given, whether it's religious or scientific or um, the Big Bang or whatever, you're looking at it really in depth and then you're applying a method of reasoning to it and then, and then sharing a result that you're getting and, you know, just say, hey, these are the results. And so even in your origins chapter, you have the law of uh, biogenesis, the laws of chemistry, the laws of time, uh, fossil problems. So, you know, you 
each of these is is well researched and documented and so it's a really important start there because that's the building process of saying okay if these things that i'm being presented don't make sense like they don't add up in the reasoning that i'm applying and make sense to me how do i build from there and find the answers that i'm seeking and so that's where i'm kind of curious and where you want to take it because um in my own seeking it's I have the same questions who am I what's going on here where do we come from how do I find truth and I think that's a really good um, and powerful idea right there with how much baloney is on the internet and uh, you know I'm confused someone will present an idea to me and I'll research it and I'm like I don't know if this is real or not <laughs> like you yeah. know but I, I do know my own experiences are real and, and what value is so they have to me so um, I'm wondering what I'm specifically curious about, and you can feel free to elaborate wherever you think is most important, but you go into um, free will, which I think is important. And I'm curious, so like where from there and seeing these systems, how did you apply and come to the conclusions of maybe where did we come from? What are the origins of consciousness? I know gravity is a big problem in physics. People are confused about that, uh, but free will and uh, you know, reality as an illusion because there's a lot on simulation theory curious if you have any thoughts on that and what you've come to um and you know you talk a little bit about weirder things and personal weirdness um so and then getting into the mind and that's where you know we take this research and if you look at your chapters and you look in depth you can see where these problems arise through in-depth research and then okay now what's the next step what are the solutions where did you what did you come to sure i uh, you know, again, uh, I don't, I don't want to scare people with this uh, science speak that I'm giving. I just want them to understand that uh, evolutionists are not the only one and materialists are not the only one who can talk science, that there is true science and that is the very natural laws that people, you know, obey and use every day are the ones that clearly point to the falsity of evolution and uh, the reality that there is some sort of creative intelligence behind everything. A lot of people are, are would say, well, you know, what about the fossils? Don't the fossils prove evolution? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that there is no progression in the rocks found anywhere on earth from simple to complex. Evolutionists simply, simply look at geological strata and they accept the strata that shows simple to complex and they any strata that's that doesn't com, comport with that idea they consider it an anomaly and uh so uh you know i've got quite a bit of information in the book on that you know where we, you know i show that uh, for example there's all kinds of human artifacts that go back like a billion years and yet evolutionists believe that uh, you know, our earliest ancestor was like 3.2 million years ago, and that was a kind of a like a Lucy ape-like uh, Australopithecine sort of thing. And yet, we have tons of evidence of humans using the, the using uh, uh, the evolutionary timetable, uh, and, and as it's applied to rocks and that that are found in rocks way, way, way back before Lucy. And so uh, that that doesn't hold together. And then then you know there's the question of devil. You know, are we really looking at devolution, which is really actually more consistent with the second law, which says everything degrades. That over time, 
um, the genetic material in all living organisms is going to degrade. And if we go back in time, we find out that there's lots of evidence that humans were very advanced. I mean, we have all the megalith megalithic things around the earth, the, uh, the pyramids and the, uh, the trilithon in, in uh, Lebanon, where there's 3,000 ton stones put in place next to each other. You can't even slip a piece of paper in between the joints. And they were moved there, 1,000 ton blocks of stone, you know, perfectly hewn like many other rocks, perfectly, hold, perfectly uh, cut holes and stones, joints and so forth, that we have no idea today how these things are, are even done. So uh, there's just all kinds of, of evidence that, uh, uh, that humans are not at the more advanced stage that we kind of think that we are, that there is this mystery about history, that there was something going on way back uh, that uh, was just as human, if not more human than uh, in terms of intellect than what we have. And uh, so um, then and the other thing I just wanted to touch on was, is the fact that if you think about uh, any, <clears throat> any living organism, it's really a machine. And inside that machine, like inside your body, are all kinds of machines. There's a liver machine and a heart machine and a pacemaker machine in the heart. And there's neural machines in the brain. And there's digestive machines and bone machines. And, and inside of those machines are billions of components that all must be working together in order for that machine to work properly. And we know that such machines just cannot come into existence on their own. And it doesn't matter how much time is given, no matter how much you mix up the chemicals, that kind of order, that kind of complexity cannot happen. And the reason I'm kind of hanging on this subject, and maybe some of your, your listeners are not troubled by this, but I think if a person does not go through the process of absolutely disproving evolution and disproving the, the materialism, the notion that we are nothing but biological robots roaming around the earth, that that kind of lingers in the back of their mind and can hold them up from opening their mind to a lot of the things that I think that you've, you've discovered. Now, in, you know, in terms of, of, uh, uh, Free will, that's, that's kind of an interesting topic, you know. Let's, let's just talk about that for a second. Uh, most people would agree that they have free will. You know, you, you chose to have me on, I chose to be here, and I'm choosing to say the words I'm saying, and you're choosing to listening, listening uh, to them. And every day we make uh, hundreds and hundreds of choices that we would you know, we just know, just kind of, I mean, it's, it's obvious as the nose on our face that, that we have free will. Now, the question would become, where, where could that free will come from? Does that, the, you know, the evolutionists, the materialists would argue that ultimately we're nothing but atoms, and the atoms are made up of subatomic particles. And uh, those subatomic particles consist of, of you know, a host of, of quanta, which are, things that are, are hard to even classify as even matter, how does, how does free will 
emerge out of an atom that is absolutely bound by natural law. In other words, an atom doesn't get to choose what it does. It doesn't get to choose to move in a particular way or the electrons spin in a particular way and the uh, neutrons and protons uh, agglomerate in the nucleus in a particular way. Those are all dictated by natural law. It can't veer from that because law demands that it not veer from that. So if, if atoms do not have free will, and we've never seen a molecule, which is a combination of atoms, have free will. How, how do you all of a sudden get free will once you get into living organisms? There's just no explanation for that. And so the, the only explanation that a materialist has is that there's no such thing as free will, which uh, to me is, is an argument just to basically to justify their position. It's not an argument based on logic or an argument based on experience or anything else. Do you have any other thoughts or questions on, on free will? I'm, I think the thing that I think is important here is that that's one of the, the proofs that we are other than matter is the fact that we have free will. You, because you cannot track free will back to our material components. There's no way to do that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a, it's really interesting. Well, I wanted to share um, what I was thinking when you talked about, you know, staying, staying in the realm of disproving evolution and materialism, because you touched on an important point when you said it's like this unconscious driver, you know, when you're looking to, let's say people are looking to expand their consciousness or increase their awareness or activate the third eye or, or become enlightened or whatever they're trying to do. Um, which is me <laughs> in this podcast and all that stuff. Um, a lot of it traces back to your core belief systems. So if you haven't addressed that core belief of, of where you think you came from, whether it's religious or it's the big bang or whatever, um, and you haven't challenged that within yourself and you haven't applied, you know, your own reasoning and your own thought process to it, um, that can have a massive, massive shift in your life. But most people, I think that many people are afraid to do that because it's kind of like, um, you know, the basis, your, the basis in, in construction of what you build your entire reality on. So if you dare to turn the lens around and question it um, and discover that some of that foundation is faulty, um, your entire reality is now different and it's a terrifying idea to present. So I think it's, a, it's really good that you presented that information just for people to challenge what they believe. You know, I think in exploring this podcast and where I was two years ago or three years ago and continuously searching for these things, um, some of the things that I believe change. And uh, so it's, you know, don't, don't be afraid of having a look. So I think it's really good that you did that. And um, I'm glad that you believe in free will. Um, what I, what my personal thought is, I think that we do have free will and I spent the summer studying with the Native American elder, uh, David Lombert Senapas of the Mi'kmaq, and uh, his history is 20,000 years old. And we went to Sedona with the Zuni elder, and his history is also 20,000 year old. It's oral and it's unbroken. They have Egypt in their stories. They have sky people. They have origins of life. They have all this stuff. They just haven't shared it with us, apparently. Um, and so it was really fascinating. But he said, one of the things he said to me 
uh, this year, he's like, you do have spiritual free will here. He's like, a lot of the questions I get because he's a spiritual teacher and in the native community, people know who he is. So everybody asks him all these questions and he's, you know, he's been with the Dalai Lama and the leaders of the world in spirituality. And he's like, a lot of you guys ask the same questions. And it's like, what is my purpose? He's like, well, having spiritual free will here, you get to decide what your purpose is. And then that really puts ownership on your own life experience. And so my thoughts on free will right now are that we have it. Um, but I haven't explored it in the same, same way you, you have like, and there's like consequence as well with what your action is. But when you have the free will to learn and grow, you're continuously expanding and accumulating experience of your own design. And I think that we do have that right. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, I, I was, that's actually that, that whole notion of, of having free will and, and having control of your own destiny is um, something that goes way back, but it was always uh, blocked by uh, the religion of the day, who, who, you know, that wants to keep people uh, thinking that in order to uh, justify themselves, they, you know, they're going to have to follow certain religious precepts. And that of course always means following certain religious leaders and you get into the whole power thing. Uh, and that, you know, the whole religion thing is something I could get into if you wanted to. And like I said, I think the two things that stand in the way of people really freeing their mind up to see what the reality is beyond, beyond these, uh, these, uh, four dimensions that we're locked into is to, to put aside the, the notion of evolution and materialism and to come to understand that most institutional religions, all of them that I, that I know of, are basically man-made things that uh, have a, more to do with people having power over other people than the truth. And it's, they are not really vehicles for finding truth. They're vehicles for hemming people into a particular doctrine in order to, to maintain that power. And um, so I don't know, did you, did, would you want to talk about religion? Or you want to get right into the, the, the more ideas on how we, uh, about uh, whether, you know, is, is this an illusion that we're in? And um, how, how do we, what are things uh, that can lead us that lead us to believe that that we are other and that there's perhaps life after death and so forth? What what is your thinking on that? Yeah, well, you know, I think that's I think um, well for me, I, the people who listen to the podcast, um, you know, it's not to say that if you're believing in a certain religion is wrong, you know, so it's like okay, have your own belief in whatever that is. But I think that if you listen to this podcast, you probably question what that belief would be. And so I have had some where, you know, we explore religion in depth. Um, what I would think for you is maybe if you could like summarize, you know, ways that somebody could practically challenge their beliefs without going too far in, because they, I definitely have explored it. And it's only for me personally, because I want to dive deep with you on, you know, because I've, I've gotten to that point where I've questioned religion and things like that. So I'm really curious about, you know, where you've discovered on the origin of consciousness, simulation theory, uh, why we have suffering and getting really, really deep into the meat and potatoes of it, because mm -hmm. I'm just generally curious. But, you know, what uh, one thing I'll share on the religious thing, because it has been explored, is that 
Um, I was re- recently watching uh, Darren Brown, and he's this kind of like uh, magician, showman in the UK, and he did a documentary on miracles for sale. And that's where, you know, he, he looked at faith healing in the United States and how easy it was for him to create a faith healer out of a scuba diver. And he did a thing in, um, in Texas and just showed how people believe that this person was healing through faith. And he, and he said at the end, he's like, this isn't an attack on your religion or your beliefs. This is just understanding that, you know, there are tricks out there. And for me, when I explored religion and that kind of thing, it's like, are you giving your power over? You know, I do believe in a higher power, but do I have to follow this doctrine? And, 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 and is there a massive consequence if not? And I think that maybe you could provide like a little bit of your research because it's probably similar, similar to mine. And then maybe a way that someone could kind of explore it. But then, yeah, I would really love, love to dive into, um, you know, the origin of consciousness and consciousness matter as an illusion, um, sure. life and death and what you believe about that, because I'm sure that's fascinating. And then also for me, it's about how do I create in this real, reality in the most expanded way? How do I, um, you know, be the most aligned with, let's say, a spiritual truth and what we're, we're seeking, what reality is, and how to have the most fulfilling life experience? And so these are concepts that I would love to dive deep with you in and, um, and, and also go where you want to go as well. Okay. Um, well, uh, you know, if you, if you get past the, the notion that, that we're just uh, – uh, robots, you know, uh, atomic robots, uh, you know, that are, are, are the end result of a blind evolutionary process over gazillions of years. Uh, and you come to the, the obvious conclusion that there is some sort of intelligent, uh, intelligent, uh, creative force behind, you know, our existence in the world at large, uh, one of the things that you, the, the way that you come to that conclusion is by the method that I talked about in the first place. You know, you're using reason, evidence, natural law, conscience, experience. Well, if you start thinking about what the creator is, for the first thing you would know about the creator, if the creator is responsible for this reality, the natural laws that exist, all right, guys, that wraps up part one with Dr. Randy Wysong. Um, you know, he, he, we get into it, and uh, the second part is, is even better. I don't know what part is better, but he really knows what he's talking about. His book's incredible. I'm going to have him back on the podcast. We've been communicating a little bit since, uh, but he really knows his stuff, and uh, I really appreciated him coming on. Um, if you like this episode, please share it. Uh, if you have a blog, write, write it in a blog. Do, uh, do something if you want to support the episode. Um, but the best thing you can do is do one act of kindness today or take the kindness challenge which is just three acts of kindness a day for a week it should be uh, a no-brainer we should be doing this anyways but just do hashtag kindness challenge let me know you're taking it on instagram on social media um inspire your friends to do it tag three friends um and then and then see what happens and i think that you'll get there's a good chance anyway you'll get a universal wink um most people do it they get a universal wink which means like something profound and weird will happen if you're paying attention um, and sometimes if you're not paying attention um i actually know somebody literally had a coup Kundalini experience and I kid you not I'm not trying to hype it up it actually happened I'm not saying it's gonna happen to you for sure I'm saying that it happened to somebody Uh, but they've been on the path for a while so that probably had something to do with it Um, but also you know David Lone Bear the Native American elder says that three acts of kindness a day and not 
um, telling anybody is a mathematical formula. And the closest thing that you're going to get to uh, activating your pineal gland, to uh, elevating your consciousness, um, because we live in an electromagnetic universe and the actual action of kindness is what takes the charge. So you could think about giving the homeless guy a buck, but you could actually do it. You could think about saying something nice to somebody and you could actually do it. You could think about getting somebody's name and actually get it. So doing those actual actions create the charge, activate the DNA, and also worst case scenario, all of that is baloney and you're just going around being a good human being. So hey, not so bad. Um, so please take that um, challenge if you want to support the show. The other things you can do is share episodes, leave a review in iTunes. All of that is really helpful and really appreciated. Go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair if you want to sh- support the show as well. Um, chipping a buck in the bucket really helps um, produce the show and do what I do. And so I can travel around and do um, do the show and, and make it even better and support myself and eat sandwiches and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, if you guys are looking for coaching, um, basically, you know, I've been coaching for a long time and I'm doing two things. Uh, one of them is the heart journey creation where we go through a hypnotic process to um, connect to the wisdom of your heart and get into alignment with your heart, your heart's purpose, your mission uh, being fulfilled. And then if you want to go deeper one-on-one coaching, what we're looking at discovering is who you are, what you're about, what fulfills you, letting go of limiting beliefs, letting go of all the things that are kind of like those illusions. Some of them you may or may not even see um, in your life, getting really clear on what you want to bring forth, giving you a a plan, a clear plan plan to bring it forth and doing it from a state of fulfillment where you are. So you're going to learn all the best that I've learned in um, personal development, consciousness, spirituality, peak performance, and all that kind of good stuff. So just go um, to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching if you want to do some of that. Um, Sign up for the email list and forward slash lucid dreaming is where you'll get a lucid dreaming audio. So I think that's it. I'm going to stop yammering because I feel like I talked a lot on this one. Um, But just tons of love and gratitude for you guys. You know, hitting a million downloads. Thank you so much. It's starting to to spiral up now and um you know reaching number one in itunes um and religion and spirituality was it was a huge accomplishment um and it just says that hey like these guests and what we're talking about here uh matters and it's a point of view um that you know i sum up spirituality for me and just you know being kind and uh you know doing what you can and taking action and doing the best that you can do and you know, whether you're super religious or you're spiritual or you believe in, um, you know, Christianity or Buddhism or Hinduism or Muslim or uh, Sufi or the hundreds of other Scientology, the hundreds of other ways out there, you can believe that and have a connection with source and God and divinity and all that kind of stuff in your own way. The only idea is that um, you can believe one thing. Just don't try to kill the other person who believes something else. So I think that, you know, we, we got to, you know, have our connection with spirit, God, whatever that is, and then just allow someone else to have their own experience their own beliefs and so that's about it so before we uh close this one out let's just come into a state of peace and coherence wherever you are i'm taking a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly with all the cares all the worries all the thoughts of the day just coming totally peaceful and present now taking another deep breath in through your nose Hold that breath and just think about one thing that you're really grateful for. Filling yourself up with love and gratitude and support. And just let that breath out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, and all the stresses of the day. Taking in one more deep breath in through the nose and hold that breath in. And just feel fill yourself up with love, gratitude, energy, good vibes. And I want you to send that 
energy out to everybody you met today, all your friends, your family, your coworkers, your enemies, everyone you ever met in your life. And just continue this relaxing breathing as you pulse this energy out to your city, to your country, to around the world, to the solar system, to the galaxy, to past, present, future. And I'm sending you all of my love, support, encouragement, well wishes, uh, positive vibes and energy for you to remember that you're amazing, awesome, spectacular, divinely connected just as you are. So have an amazing day. Thanks so much for listening. And I will see you in part two with Dr. Randy Wysong.